Hey folks, Jeff Woods here. Before we dive into the episode, we wanted to ask a favor. If you like the episode that you hear today, we would love if you would leave a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. When you do, it helps us reach more people, which helps us make a bigger impact. It also helps us understand what we're doing well and what content you like so we can do more of it. And we read every single one. For example, David Long stumbled upon this podcast after leaving the book recently, and he said that he's really been enjoying it, specifically the tips and tricks that we use on how he can become more effective in all areas of his life. David, thank you so much for taking the time to leave the review. It really means the world to us. With that, let's get into the episode. This is The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at The One Thing Team. So many of you reached out after episode 127 and 128, where we talked about how billionaires set goals. That was a keynote that Jay Papazian and I delivered at the Big Keller Williams Family Reunion Conference. That was so popular that we decided to release another one of the keynotes that we did, this time on time blocking secrets, how to honor your time blocks without getting distracted. Just like the episodes on how billionaires set goals, we're going to break this keynote into two parts so you can listen to it in a more concise version. As you listen to part one, ask yourself if you could only do one thing based on this episode. What would it be? What's that one idea that if you just implemented that could make everything else easier or unnecessary? We'll be bringing that back toward the end of the episode. And as you listen, if you are a part of a corporation and you'd be interested in having us come in to do a keynote or a workshop, you can go to theonething.com, click on the About page, and fill out the submission form there, and we can reach out and explore if it's a good fit. With that, let's get into this episode on how to honor your time blocks without getting distracted. November 1st, 2015 was the day that I took my family, stuck them inside an airplane, and shipped us all off to Austin, Texas to begin a journey. For five years prior to that, I was in medical device sales, which was a lot of fun. I got to run through hospitals. I sold a device that actually saved lives. Every day was like Halloween because I got to walk in thinking I was a doctor and get my wife to call me McDreamy and she would refuse. And I would say, I'd say, no, do it. And she'd go, no. Um, We're going to talk about that saying no thing later. For five years, life was good. And for five years, I woke up every single day feeling like something was missing. How many of you have ever been in a place where things were good, yet you knew something was missing? Let me see your hands. There we go. Have you ever noticed how sometimes you just don't have enough pain in your life to compel you to take action? It's just not painful enough yet to compel you to take action. That's where I was until two things happened. First, a colleague of mine suffered a stroke. and At the time, he was 35. How many of you are the sole provider for your family? What would you do if 40% of your income evaporates overnight? and you're the sole provider. I got to ask that question the following week because my company made a change to my commission structure, and overnight, poof. Month after month, we're just hemorrhaging. And it gets to the point where the bank account's almost at zero. That was the moment when the pain got high enough. High enough for me to realize that I was in control, 
of my time and I had been giving it up unconsciously. I set out on a journey to surround myself with the right people, people who could mentor me and show me how to build a business. I launched a podcast called The Mentee, where I was the mentee, and I was just recording conversations with people far smarter than me. And two weeks after launching it, I'm sitting in a room about this size. I'm sitting in the very back row, and out on stage walks this tall, light, and handsome man named Jay Papazan. Light, not tan. (laughs) And for the next hour, he proceeds to blow my mind, because he's talking about the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. The simple things that are seldomly done. When he finishes and he starts walking down the side of the stage, everybody's standing up, they're clapping, and as they start to sit down, I'm realizing now is my chance. And so I start running down the side of the room and I intercept them about over there and we strike up a conversation. I ask to interview him for my show. We have the interview. And I ask a simple question. What are you working on and how can I help you? He said, we're looking to sell more books. He didn't know that I was connected with some of the top podcasters in the world. So I got him booked on a bunch of shows. And I followed up again. What are you working on? How can I help you? He said, we're looking for more exposure. He didn't know that I wrote for Entrepreneur. I wrote an article without them knowing and started blasting it on social media. I saw him and Gary resharing my posts. And again, I asked the question, What are you working on? How can I help you? And at that moment, he said, Gary and I are looking for a CEO for a publishing company. I said, I know three people that might be a great fit. Let's talk. Just trying to play super connector, just trying to bring value. When we got on the phone and he described what they were looking for, he described me. Long story short, I threw my name in the hat and here we are. And now for the last two and a half years, I've had the pleasure of being in partnership with Gary Keller and Jay Papazian and turning this book into a training company that hopefully help 100 million people take back control of their time. November 1st, 2015 was day one. From the moment we landed on the ground, I had heard about this concept of time blocking. And I'm asking myself, what is time blocking? And Gary even said to me, he said, it is the one thing. It's the one thing that you can do, such that by doing it, will make everything else easier or unnecessary. How many of you have ever tried time blocking? Raise your hands and leave them up, okay? Now keep them up if you have a habit of time blocking every single day and you protect your time block like the air you breathe. Interesting, my hand would go down as well. This is the topic of our conversation today. Does that sound fair? Awesome. From day one, I'm thinking to myself, okay, time blocking. Schedule time with yourself to do your most important work. Simple. If I have a doctor's appointment, I put it on the calendar. If somebody asks if I can meet, I say no. And what do they do? They ask for another time. So I start looking at all the things that I need to do, and I start putting them on my calendar. And before you know it, I am time blocking every single minute of every single day including my bathroom breaks. So the question is, what do you do when you have to violate that one? We're gonna gonna, gonna leave that alone. One of the first mistakes we see people making when they are time blocking is they they try to time block too much. Now, Gary has this idea of thinking big and going small. 
How many of you right now, if we were to watch you, would we see you trying to time block? You're thinking really big, trying to be the type of person who's in control of their time, and they're trying to act big by time blocking everything. Let me see your hands. Gary would suggest to you that you start by thinking big, cast a big grand vision for your life, and start by going really small. I think the number one reason, at least for myself and from the thousands of people that we've helped train in this, why we fail doing this is because we simply set the bar for success too high. If you believe that you need to time block and control 50% of your day and you do 40%, how do you feel? Like a failure. And the next day, if you do 39%, how do you feel? like a failure and I heard worse. And the next day you do 45%, you're making progress and yet you're still not hitting goal. How do you feel? Like a failure. So here's my question for you. Where in your life, because you're setting the bar too high, are you consistently feeling like a failure? And how long will you allow yourself to continue feeling like a failure before you rewrite the rules of the game so you no longer have to feel like a failure? Most of us do that by, we just quit. I was going to go back to the gym. I was going to get rid of my washer and dryer because I was just going to do my laundry on my stomach. But um, yeah, that, that, that's done already. Where in your life are you setting the bar too high? And as a result, you're constantly feeling like a failure. So what would it take for you to readjust the bar? What's the focusing question of the book? What's the one thing I can do? Not want to do, should do. My wife tells me I should do it. I can do it. Such that by doing it, meaning I'm the type of person who takes action, not sitting in my couch in lotus position going, publisher's clearing, house is going to show up with the big check. No, you get off the tuchus and you go and you take some action. Everything else will be easier or unnecessary. How many of you believe that you could reliably, consistently control five minutes a day of your time? For five minutes, if that email dings, you will not check it. For five minutes, if that person stops by and says, hey, do you got a minute? You say no. no. For five minutes, if a text message or your phone rings, you don't touch. Can you do it for five minutes? Hands up if you can do five. Keep them up if you can do 10. Remember, we're talking consistently. 15, 30. Okay, so that, that 30 mark was where hands started to drop. Now, if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, but Jeff, I got to do more than 15 minutes. Great. This is about setting the bar here so that you can do that every day. High five yourself and be on their way right? Building momentum is one of the most important things when it comes to time blocking. And I have a feeling that the majority of us are simply setting the bar too high. And we feel like a failure. So we think, we tell ourselves the story that we're bad at time blocking. You are not bad at time blocking. You're bad at setting the bar. <laughs> so let's work on that. I remember hearing Gary say this, if doing the most important thing is the most important thing, 
why would you do anything else? Think about that. When we move through our days, there's all these things that we could do. We tell ourselves the story that we have to get to inbox zero. We have to respond to the text fast. We have to answer the call or call that customer back fast. And what most of us don't realize is that we move through our days treating, um, feeling like we have to do all the things that don't matter. And we hope to free up time to do the things that matter most. How many of you, if I put on my ninja suit and I followed you around with a little camera, would your actions say that you do all the things that aren't important and you hope to free up time to do the things that matter most? Ain't that interesting? So think big and go small. Think big by being the type of person who has clarity on their priorities, who's in control of their time, who crushes distractions like it's their job. And start by going really small. Can you control 5, 10, 15 minutes a day? And that's the mark of success. I've been watching you. I, I, I haven't seen anybody check email for the last 15 minutes. So we know you can do it. How many of you are married, by the way? Cool. Um, when you were standing at the altar... How many of you had your phones on you? <laughs> He's like, this guy's like, I was taking a listing, actually. <laughs> right? Okay, so, so good. This is great. Yeah. Um, so we understand there is an appropriate time to say, I will be responsive to the world. And there is an appropriate time to say yes to yourself first. We've all demonstrated it every single day. So what's that reason that you're unable to do it in your job every day. People pleaser? What else? Habit? Bad. How many of you have a piece of paper? Okay, fresh piece of paper. Turn it landscape. I want you to draw a line from the left to the right. So you would be doing here, like this. There we go. All right. Um, I was with Tony DeCello about two weeks ago, and he, and he had us do this for, for our membership group. And this was profound. So I want you to draw a line from left to right. And on the left-hand side, I want you to write an F. In the middle, I want you to write an A. And on the right-hand side, I want you to put an S. Okay, so you've got a line, F, A, S. Now, what I'd like you to do is between this side, between the F and the A, I want you to write comfortable and likes to do. Comfortable and likes to do is on this side. And on this side, I want you to write uncomfortable, don't like to do. Comfortable, like to do, uncomfortable, don't like to do. Now, under the F, I would like you to write failure. Under the A, I would like you to write average. And under the S, I would like you to write success. If we were watching you, where would you be on that scale? If we watched your activities every single day, where are you on a scale of living in your comfort zone to getting comfortable being uncomfortable? What number are you at? Just start screaming. Five, seven, six, four, seven. 
the, the threes, twos, and ones are just going internal right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. And how many of you just had an aha? Let's be clear about one thing. Time blocking and battling distractions, which side of the comfort zone do you think that is on? The comfort side or the uncomfort side? It's on the uncomfort side until it becomes a what? F.M. Alexander says that people don't decide their futures. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures. This is why discipline and willpower are two of the lies of productivity. It's not about being a disciplined person. It's about applying your discipline till you acquire a habit. Willpower is not on will call. It is a finite energy source. And every single decision we make throughout the day, our gas tank gets depleted till we are standing in front of the refrigerator at eight o'clock at night like a zombie when we're about to watch Game of Thrones thinking, I just want the ice cream. <laughs> My question for you is, as you go back to your market centers, are you willing to go on a very short-term journey living in the area of discomfort, doing the things that maybe you don't like to do and committing to doing them for on average, how many days? 66 days until it becomes a habit. In 2009, researchers at the University College of London found that it takes on average 66 days to form a habit. Now, depending on how complex the habit, it can take anywhere from 18 to 254 days. So if you're trying to quit smoking, it may be longer than 66 days. Just letting you know. Not from personal experience. How can you mentally prepare yourself to go on a 66-day challenge doing that thing that is currently uncomfortable and doing it long enough to the point where it becomes a habit? It is automatic. It requires little discipline. It requires little willpower. Every single day, just like you wake up and you breathe you will do your one thing. What will become possible for you when every single day you do the one thing that you can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? What will be possible for you? Everything. How many of you think you'd grow a bigger business? How many of you think you would be able to create more opportunities for your family? How many of you think you would be able to make a bigger impact in this world? Gary's right. Time blocking is the one thing. It's the one thing you can do, such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. Our question for you is how many of you have purposely set an intention and said, I am going to go on a 66-day challenge to making time blocking 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever that amount is, a habit? Intentionally, you have done a 66-day challenge. You've printed it out. You've tracked it every single day until the point that it became a habit. Amazing. So since we're the type of people who like to take action, we, just, we don't just sit and listen to the podcast and then just keep checking email, we actually implement what we learn. What's the one thing, what's your action item so far when you go home? 66-day challenge. So if you go to the onething.com with the number one in the URL, there's a tab that's called free stuff. I love that tab. 
on that tab, there's going to be a 66-day challenge calendar. Print it out. Or even better, I'll do you this one. If you text KWFR18 to the number 33444, I will put together the mother of all emails with every single resource you could possibly ever imagine, and I will send it to you. Let's talk about what actually stops us. Is that fair? Because I think, I think it's fair to assume that every single one of us, we want to time block. We want more out of our life. We want to be in control of our time. And then life gets in the way, right? We did a survey for our uh, Living Your One Thing members, and we asked, what are your biggest distractions? And we have found that email... Tech notifications, meaning text messages, email dings, any badge on your phone or your computer, and other people tend to be the big three. Would everybody agree with that? Yes. So let's, let's talk about why this matters. What's the cost of the distraction? So this is super interesting. How many of you have ever been at a point in time in your life where you were reading an email and then a distraction happened. Somebody walked in, your phone rang, you stopped doing what you were doing, and you started talking to that person. You had the conversation, you wrapped it up. When you went back to your email, did you go to that exact spot in the middle of the email and just continue reading? No, what did you do? You started over. I've heard from Gary, sometimes we are failing so slowly, we think we're succeeding. That was a writer downer. Sometimes we are failing so slowly, we think we're succeeding. Just that one day, you didn't make your calls. Not a big deal. You'll do better tomorrow. Just that one day, you spent a lot of time in your inbox. It's okay, you'll do better tomorrow. But what we know is that that domino effect, when you keep knocking that domino down day after day after day after day after day, what happens over time? Geometric growth or geometric failure. How many of you right now are failing so slowly you're telling yourself you're succeeding? When we allow the distractions to come into our world and pay attention to the words I am using. When we allow the distractions into our world, we are failing so slowly and we are telling ourselves that we are succeeding because you're doing your primary work and then the distraction takes place. And on a subconscious level, you have to switch. You have to ask, what's the rules of the game? Oh, it's a person. They're a human being. I should be polite. You have the conversation. You actually have the distraction. And then you ask yourself the question, what was I doing? Oh, yeah, email, switch. And where, oh, I don't remember where I was. And I go back to the top and I read through. And what research has found is that these little switch costs, these little slivers of time lead to us allowing 28% of our day to evaporate. What would be possible if we gave you 28% more of your time instantly? What could you do with 28% more time? Everything. The beauty is we don't need to give it to you. You just need to give it to yourself. I remember when I first started working with Gary and Jay and I walked into Gary's office. Have anybody ever seen the video I shot walking through Gary's office? 
And I look down on his table and there's this nice gold metal thing. And on it's just a sheet of paper and in pen is written, until my number one priority is done, everything else is a distraction. Until my number one priority is done, everything else is a distraction. What would your world, your life look like if you moved through your days with that lens that there is your most important work and there's everything else. And until this is handled, this does not exist. The gentleman over here suggested that we just for decades have been acquiring bad habits, right? So this is not necessarily your fault. I don't remember seeing your parents' name on the cover of the book. So you're off, you're off the hook until now. Because now you know. You understand the cost of distractions. You understand the fact that you are choosing to allow 28% of your time gone, stolen from you. Or it's not stolen, you gave it up. Accountability starts by looking in the mirror. So let's have a hard look at ourselves and ask what part of our DNA is in this? And now we get to ask the question, how do we get better, right? How many of you, Gary said yesterday from stage, the importance of having an environment that supports your goals? How many of you does your environment support your goals? Look around the room, by the way. How many, have your hands up if you have an environment that supports your goals. And just for transparency, everybody raise your hand now. I just want to see what that looks like. Okay, now leave them up if you have an environment that supports your goals. Oh. This matters. How many of you have an office with a door? Really? Okay, that's amazing. I don't. I have to squat in conference rooms. (laughs) So if all of you have an office, what's stopping you? So they don't need me, but I get involved just because I avoid my one thing. Can we go there a little bit? Sure. Say that last part again. The part that they don't need me... And you avoid? I avoid doing my one thing, so I get involved with what they're doing to help them do their one thing. <laughs> this is cool, by the way. This is, this is the most valuable thing that can happen because I think part of the blessing of being in, going on this journey the last two and a half years is I've gotten to live it from scratch, and I'm with you, right? And then we've just documented it on the podcast. Sure. Why do you think you avoid your one thing? That's been the question for the last two years. I guess I would say because I I don't think it's fun. Everything else seems fun, and I avoid it till it gets painful to where I have to jump back in and say, okay, we need to get back on track, and it's the roller coaster ride. What number did you give yourself on this scale? Five. Okay. And the crazy thing is I know I need to do it. I have the MAPS coach. I went to your your first um, event. We left crying, understanding it, and we go back and we do it for a while and then we go back into the cycle of dysfunction. Can anybody relate? Yeah. <laughs> so give her a hand first and foremost for sharing. How many of you are familiar with the concept of moving from E to P? Let me see your hands. Um, how many of you keep them up if you feel like you could stand up here and teach it because you know it that well? Okay, cool. So then we'll go there. This is one of the three commitments. Now, we didn't say three suggestions. We said commitments, meaning you must commit. 
a commitment, a promise to yourself that you will, no ifs, no ands, no buts, you will do this if you want to earn the right to say that you're achieving extraordinary results. Number one is committing to going on the road to mastery. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden you read the book and you're time-blocking master. That means it's a lifelong journey as a student, which inherently means that you embrace failure every single day. Remember when we talked about setting the bar correctly? How many of you are telling yourself the story that you should be succeeding, time-blocking, or living your one thing, and if you're not, you're failing? And And that's a bad thing, right? So when I see hands like that, where we believe that you're viewing mastery as a destination instead of a journey. What would change if every day you woke up and you gave yourself permission to fail? Every single day, you knew someplace you were going to slip. And in fact, you were looking forward to it because like they were saying yesterday, you just want to fail faster. Just power through it. Get through it. I have never had a day in the last two and a half years, working directly with Gary and Jay, where I have succeeded all day. I have failed living my one thing every single day. And because of that, I have mastered it. The second is moving from E to P. E, entrepreneurial. P, purposeful. You live entrepreneurially when you rely on your natural abilities. The things that are within your comfort zone. You jump out of the airplane and you build the parachute on the way down. Who does that? This guy right here. (laughs) And as long as you act entrepreneurially, what do you have over you? A ceiling over your what? Achievement. As long as you wake up every day relying on your natural abilities, you are putting a lid on your growth. The only way to break through your ceiling of achievement is when you get purposeful. And you get purposeful when you identify models and systems. There's those words again that Gary kept talking about, models and systems, that if you just focused on following the model, living the system, you would shatter your ceiling of achievement. Building a bunker is a model. So here's a question for you to write down for yourself. What changes can I make to my environment that would allow my environment to support my goals? What changes can I make to my environment such that by making them would allow my environment to support my goals? You already know the answer. You don't even need me to tell you. You just needed somebody to ask the question. What are some of those changes out of curiosity? Yes! Can we go, can we go deeper? Who said, who said close the door? You did. Uh, yeah, close the door. I'm guilty of the same thing, by the way, so thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Because I do allow distractions, and I get excited about their problems and helping them solve them, but really I'm actually doing them a disservice because I've been listening to your podcast, and you talk about how you've been going through a growth of uh, asking more questions yeah. instead of giving what you think they should do. So I'm working on that too and closing the door and even putting a sign, just making it known, communicating with the team that, listen, this is our time block and we're just not going to talk to each other during this time. And we've done it before and then we get out of it, but I think 
combining that with the 66-day challenge, maybe putting the sign next to or the 60-day challenge next to that, just as a constant reminder might help too. Can we go a little deeper? Sure. What's, what's stopping you from closing the door? Well, again, we're growing a team, so there's newer people, and sometimes they, they, they need assistance, my assistance. So I allow that in. Okay, so what I heard you say is you're the type of person who wants to help others succeed. So you're an awesome guy, is what I'm hearing you say. You. Right. Um, I'm hearing that they need guidance. What I didn't hear you say is that they need guidance that very moment or the world's going to fall apart. Well said. How many of you are telling yourself the story that just because they need help, that they need it now? And how many of you, by going through your life that way, are giving your people the fish instead of teaching them to fish? And what's the cost of that? What are you actually stealing from them? The opportunity for growth. We believe that leadership is teaching people how to think so they can get what they need when they need it. Leadership is teaching people how to think so they can get what they need when they need it. Do you teach people how to think by telling them the answer? You teach them how to think by what? Asking questions. And in this case, shutting your door. Yeah, asking the question later. Yeah. I, I was talking to Tony DeSella about this, and he said, you close your door, and you put a piece of paper on it, and it says, write down your name, write down your question, and write down three solutions. <laughs> I love how everybody just went, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Michael Jackson kicked for that one. All right. (laughs) You write down your name, you write down your question, and you write down three solutions. Teaching people how to think so they can get what they need when they need it. The underlying story I'm hearing is that you're you're telling yourself this story that you got to help them now, right? And is that 100% fact? It's fact that I feel that way a lot of the time, but it's not fact that I feel There you go. So the reason I keep handing the mics out is because I want you to understand because we're all living these stories. We all struggle with this. Fair? Fair. Okay. Which means there's an underlying story that's being told. I want to expose it and then I want to crush it. <clears throat> Stomped on it. All right. Nice job. Give him a round of applause. Well, there you have it, part one of how to honor your time block without getting distracted. We asked you at the beginning, folks, out of all the things that you heard, what's the one thing that you can implement, that you can do, such that by doing it would make everything else easier or unnecessary? I think for a lot of people, when we were in the room for this keynote, the idea that you heard at the end that just because someone asks for help does it mean that they need it this very second? How often in your world, when things show up on your desk or people stop by and ask if you've got a minute, you treat it like it's the most important priority, the single most important thing that needs to be done. While I say that, you might be thinking to yourself, well, it's it's not really that, but do you treat it that way? You treat it that way when you say yes to that one thing and you say no to everything else. How do you feel about that? This is a road to mastery. Our hope is that you go internal 
and you identify where am I today? Where am I currently on my road to mastery? Am I, am I treading where I'm just keeping my head above water? Am I implementing where I'm just starting to implement proven models and systems? Am I mastering where I'm getting to a mastery level on myself personally? Or are you empowering where you're living it at such a high level yourself and now you're turning around and empowering those around you to live the concepts? Our hope is that you get clear on where you are today so that you can get a little bit better each day moving forward. That inherently means you're gonna fail. You will fail every day. Are you getting better? In the next episode, we'll pick back up for part two of how to honor your time block without getting distracted. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you are not yet subscribed, please click that button so that all future episodes automatically come to you. And if you would leave us a rating and a review on your podcast player of choice, it would really mean the world to us. Thanks so much. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.